0: UFC Fight Pass presents Extra Rounds. Live from the Fight Pass studios in Southern California. It's ex- ex- Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. Along with Ray-, Ray-, Ray Longo and Dean Thomas. Here's your host, TJ DeSantis. Extra Rounds.
1: Ah, hey everybody, it's TJ DeSantis, Pearl Gonzalez, extra rounds, courtesy of UFC Fight Pass, the music goes away, and I also noticed in that uh, that little open, Pearl, it's been so long since you've been here, our, our production team doesn't even have you in the open, it's like, with Ray Longo and Dean Tomlin, like, Dean, I don't even know if Dean, like, is on this planet anymore, he, I haven't seen that man in months, but, I'm gonna get you back in the damn intro, I feel like, unless you broke up with me, and I'm just finding out now,
2: no, it's Steve and Frankie. They they don't love me anymore. That's the problem.
1: I'm gonna blame them too, even though I'm the one whose fault it is that you're not in the intro. I'm just gonna pass the buck and, and blame because why not? How the hell are you?
2: I am amazing. TJ, I missed you so much. I am so happy to be back. I've been moving. My life has been like you know that one like emoji where your head is is like like it's that's what my life has been like but i am so happy i'm back i'm i'm where i'm gonna be for the next five five six weeks uh yeah i'm here
1: uh my head is gonna look like that emoji uh if we keep having technical issues because my brain's about to uh melt, but that's okay. Uh, should we lose Pearl Gonzalez at any point? We've still got things to do today as well. I'm going to chat with comedian Russell Peters uh, about his love for mixed martial arts and what he's got going on uh, in the world of comedy. He's got some specials on Netflix and uh, he's just a huge fight fan, so I'm exor- excited to uh, chat with Russell Peters coming up uh, a little bit later on today. Also, on Twitch Live, if you want to uh, throw some questions uh, our way, uh, do so in your Twitch chat. Uh, we can ask Pearl like Pearl, do you really have a reliable internet connection? The answer is is maybe, maybe.
2: I do. I really do. And I have. I have a surprise for you. Guess what? What? I got a PS5. I got a PS5. Oh. I got a PS5. I That's awesome. PS5. But you don't know how to play video yeah. games. So, I'm gonna
1: learn. All right. I'm I mean. Learn. there's a lot of people right now that are pissed off because you admittedly go like, I don't really know how to play video games and you have a PS5 and there are millions of people in this country that can't get one. So what I would do, Pearl, I'd sell that thing. I'd sell it in a heartbeat.
2: Nope. I want to learn how to play. I got a PS5 and I want to learn how to play.
1: Okay. I'd sell it to me even though I already have one. I I need another one. They're big. They're bulky. I'm surprised you've actually moved around with it.
2: Oh my gosh. It's in my RV. That thing's huge.
1: We're going to talk about the RV, too, because I I can't (laughs) wait to... Learn more about that, but uh, first let's let's go back. Let's look uh, back at what happened uh, last Saturday night inside the Apex. It was Derek Brunson, the number five ranked middleweight, taking on the number seven ranked Darren Till. Darren Till's uh, back has is, is really been against the wall. He's uh, you know trying to find success and identity at one hundred eighty five pounds after having a run that led him to a welterweight championship opportunity at one hundred and seventy pounds. Um, you know, looking at at Brunson. You know he, he was the higher ranked fighter. He's the one that is supposed to uh, sort of outclass and and outschool uh, Darren Till, who again largely hasn't proven himself to be the same commodity at 185 pounds as he was at, at 170. And you know when you are Derek Brunson in this situation, you've been on a roll. You need to win and do so with style points. When you look at you know he's won his last four fights coming into this one. The last uh, fight that he dropped was to Israel Adesanya. So the idea. The idea of him getting a title fight right away, probably not good. But he did go out there and impose his will, implement his style, which is tough to deal with for for anybody. And, you know, again, Darren Till has had some issues since moving up to 185. He's only won one fight, but still to, to get him out of there in the way that Derek Brunson did... I think says a lot about where, where Brunson is at right now in the middleweight division. Now with that in mind, Pearl, what what are your thoughts on Brunson's ability to get his hand raised against Till? And, and does it do anything necessarily for his ambitions to get closer to a, a title fight? Because like, as I said, the last loss he had was to Izzy. 100%. First
2: and foremost, I am a very big Derek Brunson fan Um, I think that he's been on a roll and, um, despite dropping his, you know, his last loss to Izzy, I mean, he's looked really good in these last few fights. Very dominant. He's a veteran. He's always been game to fight. I mean, he's, he's won fights in several different ways. I mean, he is a true mixed martial artist and, um, I think that he's dealt with adversity and he's he's overcome them, you know, he, he's a, a direct, I wouldn't say reflection is that is the right word to use, but he has a perseverance, not giving up, staying true to the course, allowing for bumps in the road to happen and, and utilizing those as um, learning lessons, valuable learning lessons. And uh, and so for that reason, I, I'm a huge fan of him. I always have been. He's, he's a great person, um, but he looked amazing. He looked amazing the other night. And he came in and he did exactly, it was very similar to like a Kevin, the Kevin Holland fight where he came in and he utilized his, his skills. He utilized his experience, so to speak, and came in and wrestled and, and mixed it up when he needed to and was aggressive and, and came forward the entire time. So I I think you can't really take away from his, uh, performance because he looked, he really did show up. Right. And, um, you know, Darren Darren Till has had issues, and and maybe he's still battling some of his own, you know, demons or, you know, whatever he's been going through personally, mentally. That always tends to show in our fights. It always tends to 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 come through when you're not having, you know, you're not mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually all in sync. And so, um, I don't think this takes away from his ability uh to to be where he wants to be i think that these are learning lessons these are valuable learning lessons for darren till and uh the grappling fell short the other night and so you know he's got he's got an area that he has to work in. The beautiful thing about failure, the beautiful thing about failure, is that it opens up and allows for you to grow in areas that you may not have have really paid that much attention to. And I think that 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 I'm hoping that's what this does for Darren Till. I hope that he goes back to the drawing board, he fixes his injuries and whatever else he's been going through, and and gets back to the drawing board and and, and starts working on some that he is not. So strong it
1: technically, I mean, they say you either win or you learn. And and that's, you know, what what you hope to do, especially when you are going to be in a sport like mixed martial arts where there are bumps in the road. As you said, you know, fighters are going to face adversity. It's largely how you respond to that adversity and how good of a, a fighter you're going to be long term. Now, Darren Till, unfortunately, has been doing a lot of learning since moving up to 185 pounds, and he has yet to put together, uh, you know, a string of victories. He's got to win over Kelvin Gastelum, which I'm not going to say anything negative about because that's a solid win. You know, I know KG is, has come up short in some of his fights, but if you beat Kelvin Gastelum at 185, it, it means that you can hang if, you know, if not like Darren Till did beat some of the best contenders there. Now, that said, Till hasn't been the guy he has been at 170. So, are, are we asking too much of Darren Till to just come out and and be what he was a- at 170? I know he hasn't been, and I wonder if that pressure sort of adds up. But w- when you are someone that fought at a lower weight class for a championship, I feel like the pressure of you know just fitting in, you know, in the, in the top ten or top five for that matter. It's it's almost too much to ask of a uh, also to a very young fighter. Darren Till hasn't been fighting for 20 years or anything like that. He's still, you know, uh, an up and coming fighter in a lot of ways.
2: Exactly. And that's kind of what what I'm saying. This was a very valuable bump in the road for him. He is young in his career. He he does have a, a long road ahead of him of competing and learning and. You know, it's up to him to find the adjustment. And when it comes to weight classes, it's such a sticky situation because it's one, you're either going to give in to the diet, you're going to give in to the discipline, you're going to give in to giving up some of your training time to cut weight, to, to lose the weight and then to feel weak and, and, and you know, the, all the, the feelings and side effects that come from cutting weight, it's either that or you're going to give up size. You're gonna give up strength in, in going into this heavier weight class and having a better fight camp, um, being the lighter fighter, the smaller fighter, but possibly faster, but you will give up size and strength. And and for someone like me who has kind of dealt with this as well, it is a challenge. And you have to pick your poison, unfortunately. Do you wanna fight bigger, stronger girls, or do you want to be the bigger, stronger fighter? that has to cut the weight. Right. Uh, I think, I think that right now these are, you know, valuable learning lessons for him. And for that reason, they, we're, we're also, we're also, sh- sh- what's the word? Like critiquing him at the, the, hi- the highest, highest level. of right. this, this weight class. So we're not, we're not talking yeah. about this. Like he just made it to weight and he can't figure it out. Like right. we're talking about the top five guys here. We're, you know, we're talking about the, 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 the top of the, the echelon. So, with that being said, uh, now I thought that I think that he can come in looking a little more athletic. I think that he can and work on his body physically a little bit more. Um, I think he does look good at this weight class. I don't think he looks too undersized, uh, or, or did look undersized in this last this last fight. Um, but it is something for him to figure out uh, is is whether or not he wants to stay here, and if he does, I. I believe that what would help him in his situation is maybe figuring out the strength and conditioning.
1: Yeah, no, I, I guess my question too for Till is if he doesn't get a win in his next fight out, and I, I don't know what t- sort of fight he would have. I, w- I would hope that they would give him someone that's not in the top 10. You know, not not a gimme fight, because I don't think those necessarily exist uh, in the UFC. If you are in the UFC fighting for any period of time and are you know winning fights, you, I honestly believe you can beat almost anybody on any given night. And and when you look at Darren Till, though, if he doesn't pick up a win in his next fight, like, should he consider maybe moving back down to 170 pounds? Because you're not going to be able to stay in the middleweight division for 10 fights if you only win, you know, 20% of them.
2: Well, you know, I think that more importantly... Can he work on his takedown defense? Can he work on his transitions? Can he work on some of the technical issues that we right. saw this past? Again on top, deal with the weight cut or he wants to deal with the strength. Um, you know him being injured in this, you're more that you're more likely to to be injured or to get injured when you're cutting weight especially right. when you're cutting a lot a significant amount of weight we're talking 10 pounds which may not sound like a lot but when you are an athlete and elite athlete at this level that's a huge amount of weight that you're dropping and letting go of and, and nutrition that has to be um sacrificed for so i believe you know it i don't know if it's necessarily the weight class is the problem or is it some skills that we need to work on um, being that you are handling bigger bodies.
1: Now uh, you mentioned the injury. It sounded like he suffered an injury in camp, and and still you know gutted his way mm-hmm. through this fight. And and it's admirable that he did that. Uh, you know, obviously right. uh, you're going to have athletes that come into fights always banged up to a certain uh, extent, but at the same time, like. If his knee bothered him to the point where he wasn't able to compete where he needed to be against someone like Derek Brunson, where we know takedowns are going to be an issue, like you wonder if it was the right call. And I know hindsight's twenty twenty, we can sit here and speculate all damn day about, you know, what he should have done compared to what he did do, but I mean what what should be the defining sort of criteria in your mind for an athlete to go, okay, look, I'm hurt. Should I actually still take this fight or is the right call to pull out?
2: You know, this was definitely a very risky decision. He made going into a fight against someone like Derek Brunson, who is a very, very skilled, well-rounded fighter with, with an injury, a knee injury. And I believe it was a, a blown ACL. Uh, so, having a blown ACL, your your knee is completely unstable. There is absolutely, really, no way for you to defend, to grapple, to stop takedowns, to to even strike very well. So, with that being said, me personally, i I would not, I would not take a fight and, and risk blowing my knee out even more and worse because he could have completely blew his knee out. And instead of being out for six to nine months within ACL, he, right. he would be out for 12 to 16 months. So, and you drop another, you, you drop another loss here. Um, and you, you're right. It is very admirable, admirable, but I personally don't think it was the right decision to make it w- for his career because right. now here we are critiquing the loss, um, when he could have just taken an additional six to nine months off, to, to heal his body and come in and, and have a, a camp or, or have a fight on a, on a good knee. Now, smaller injuries, lighter injuries, uh, you know, slight tears here, small tears. I have too, I have fought on injuries that I should not have been fighting on. Um, but when you do as a fighter and from a fighter's perspective, when you put in the amount of work and time and sacrifice and discipline into a fight camp and something like this happens, it's really hard to let that go it's really hard to say oh okay well i just did all this work for nothing uh you know and and as a fighter we do we want to say believe that we can we're invincible we can beat anyone and despite the circumstances we're just going to kind of like our way through it yeah um But in a big fight like this, I I don't think it was the right decision. No,
1: personally. And and again, I'm not a doctor, too, but I know that when you have uh, a, a torn ligament in your knee, you're susceptible to many more injuries to that already injured knee. You know, whether it be your MCL or your PCL. Uh, so obviously, uh, th- there's more concerns there. Uh, but also too, like I feel bad, bro, because you're right. Like we're critiquing a loss where we can't just chalk it all up to the knee. That's not fair to Derek Brunson. Um, but at the same time, it's not fair to Darren Till to be sort of assessing his overall, you know, uh, abilities right now when he, you know he fought on on one leg. But uh, I guess the are the choices that you make in, in mixed martial right. arts and you know for Darren Till uh, he's going to have some time off and, and you know definitely time to, to re-evaluate. Um, we are sort of evaluating where Derek Brunson goes from here. Uh, Frankie put up a poll uh, online between Twitch and Facebook and 60% of our viewers are saying that uh, Derek Brunson has done enough to warrant uh, a title fight so uh, if that's the case uh, I don't think you're going to have too many people that uh, will argue it when it comes back uh, uh, you know, on television, but uh, one thing I, I will say there's this sort of, you know, backlog of contenders right now at 185 pounds. And when you, you know, line them all up next to one another, uh, I think uh, Derek Brunson's going to be waiting longer than some of the other guys uh, in front of him. So uh, unfortunately, uh, he's in a great position in the sense that he's won plenty of fights, but it's still a tough position to be in when uh, the 85 pound division is so stacked.
2: It is. It is a very tough position for him. Um, but there are some great fights still. There are mm-hmm. still some great fights for him. There are still some some air places that he can test his skills at. Um, the Cannoneer fight.
1: Yeah, uh, I believe they they've already fought. Um, I can't remember how long ago that was. I think they already fought. See, this is the problem. When you have contenders stacked up that that are are winning, um, like at the same time, you don't want to necessarily have them all fight one another either, because then, you know, it, it just sort of eliminates the pool of potential contenders uh that that are coming up. Uh looking at uh Derek Brunson, you know what? He hasn't fought Cannoneer. Um yeah. Okay. Yeah. That so he. Like a- yeah. No. No. You, you know, I got it mixed up. Like you're right. He he fought Kevin Holland, and people were talking about should he get a fight after the Holland fight. Um, like I remember that he'd beaten a, another contender. Uh, but I but I just uh made the mistake. It was Kevin Holland that he beat. So so you have uh, you know cannoneer. Brunson, um, you know, Whitaker is still obviously going to get a, a fight with Izzy, so it's a good thing to be if you're the matchmaker because you can't go, you know, too wrong. And when you when you pick someone to, to fight, but like at the same time, do do you necessarily want to have Cannoneer and Brunson fight one another? Because I, I don't think you necessarily need to eliminate one of them as a title contender uh, unnecessarily. No,
2: but it'd be. I think it'd be a fun fight regardless. Yeah. I think that that's something that I, I would enjoy to to watch, but you know, in this sport uh, opportunities present themselves when they're, when they're not supposed to. And the definition of luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And I think that Derek Brunson has been preparing and is setting himself up for the opportunity. Shall it present itself? And it can injuries happen all the time in our sport. Crazy things happen. Pigs fly at some points in our, in our sport, you know? So uh, I think that he's in the right position right now. He's got a lot of momentum behind him. His confidence has been boosted. He's on a roll. Um, You know, just to me, I I would say for him just to keep training hard. Yes. I believe he he's done enough to, to get that title shot and just keep training hard and be prepared because the opportunity may and, and, and can present itself. And when it does, then, you know, he's
1: ready. Momentum not currently on Derek Brunson's side on the poll side of things because he was just at 60 percent. Now it's at a 50 50 split pearl. So oh. we'll find out how that uh, plays out. It's still uh, up for your debate right Very now. Live, uh, Yeah. I mean, it's live. It's live right now. So, you know, go vote. I mean, you don't vote. I need you to sit right there and, and talk more fights with me. do move? Okay. Yeah, don't move. Don't, I mean, okay. especially when we have that internet locked in, but uh, yeah, we're good right now. So let's go back to uh, some of the action we saw uh, again, Derek Brunson get his hand raised uh, in the night's main event. Um, we saw Tom Aspinall back inside the uh, Octagon taking on Sergey Spivak. I was talking to Ray in our preview show last week uh, about this heavyweight division and, you know, when you look at, at these guys, they were really well matched when it came to what they had done, you know, within their runs uh, you know recently uh, you know with, with UFC their, their records were almost virtually identical uh, for Aspinall he was coming off a win uh, over Andre Orlovsky who's a proven veteran obviously and then Sergey Spivak was coming off a win over Alexei Olenek so you know really they they had done similar things on similar trajectories here in this UFC uh, heavyweight division but uh, uh, it was not a, a similar trajectory night uh, for them both inside uh, the octagon it was Was Aspinall that was able to get the stoppage over Spivak? Uh, A a nice uh, elbow uh, sent him. basically out. uh, Ground strikes finished it, but uh, the elbow was sort of the key to that. So Tom Aspinall uh, getting the win. Uh, You know, I I talked to Ray about this. I kind of want to get your thoughts on it too, because the heavyweight division is an interesting one in the sense that you know, you you can grab a couple of wins and they go a lot further in the heavyweight division than say the lightweight division. If you win three or four fights in the heavyweight division, like that's hard to string together that many wins. You find yourself in like a, a title eliminator that fast. Like you're barely scratching scratching the surface at one fifty five. Like you're not even gonna necessarily be in the top fifteen if you pull off, you know, four straight wins in the UFC at one fifty five. So with that in mind, my question, Pearl, is when you look at someone like Tom Aspinall, who's, you know, put together a couple of wins in the UFC, has that win over Andre Orlovsky, but we're still getting to learn a lot about him. When When is the appropriate time to start getting excited and ready? Because, again, this is a weight class where, you know, a couple of wins, it says a lot more than maybe, say, other weight classes, but you don't want to put the cart before the horse either. You don't want to put Tom Aspinall in a main event spotlight before, you know, he he should be there.
2: Well, you know, I think that the the beautiful thing is the heavyweight division. To me, right now, is one of the most exciting divisions out there. Um, it's evolving so fast right now. Um, I think that the heavyweights are just are, are getting better and better technically um, and, and more and athletically even. And so, with that being said, I mean there are some fun fights to make here. Are we talking contender? I personally don't think so. I think that, are we talking, you know, higher ranked? Absolutely. He deserves that. He looked great. He looked great this past weekend. Um, and so, yeah, no, there's, there's some really, really awesome fights that, that can happen here in the heavyweight division. I mean, this is an exciting time. You have, you have John Jones that, that says he's coming back. You have, you know, Stipe still in the picture here. You have Cyril Gane. You have Francis Ngannou. You know, you still have uh, Derek Lewis. You have uh, Curtis Blades. I mean, you have some big, huge names, and right. Fun fights that can be had here. Um, and and
1: so- honestly, honestly, all those guys, I don't know if they necessarily beat you know each other nine out of ten times. You know, like they're all sort of fifty-fifty type of matchups. Like, think about Surreal Ghan. He's he's the interim heavyweight champion. Like, there's still so much we don't know about this man yet, and he's already claimed oh a, a championship belt. Now, obviously, Francis Ngannou is the I don't want to say undisputed because that takes away from surreal gone, but like we have a lot of learning to do about these athletes and how they match up with one another. And like, give me some popcorn. I'm just going to sit back and watch.
2: Exactly. This is to me, one of the most exciting divisions out there right now. And especially because it's evolving so fast. I mean, you have these up and comers, Cyril Gane you know, um, Aspinall that are, that are, that are just like Blossoming, if that's the right yeah, word. Yeah, no, that's Sprouting.
1: right. I think, I think, I mean, heavyweight dudes don't necessarily do things that flowers <laughs> do, but you know, I like it. I'm not going to hate it, you know?
2: Thank you. Thank you. Question Is that like driving you crazy? Because that was a good
1: no, I, th- I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely not my favorite right now. But you want it? to
2: move it? You want me to close? Want me to close the blinds?
1: Why not? Why don't you do that? And I'll actually uh, roll some video of uh, sort of a narrative that we saw on Saturday night. A lot of uh, fighters and athletes coming from the UK-based uh, organization Cage Warriors. Uh, Tom Aspinall was one of them. We, we see these athletes, you know, coming up through the UK in in Cage Warriors and, and finding their way to the octagon, and you know, again, finding success there. And Age Warriors is one of the world's premier mixed martial arts organizations. I hate calling it regional because the term regional mixed martial arts, it sounds like a knock and... It's not, it's just, it's, you have to sort of, you know, climb the ranks of, of where you're from. And, and for a lot of athletes, Patty Pimblett, we'll talk about him uh, here in a moment. But uh, when when you look at uh, the UK cage warriors, whether you want to call it regional or, or, you know, an international promotion, either both technically accurate, uh, but there's a lot of talent coming out of that yellow cage there in the UK. Hey,
2: there is. Holy smokes. It's, it's such a fun and exciting show to watch too. So yeah, I agree with you there, 100% with with Cage Warriors.
1: I uh, I don't want to put the uh, the cart before the horse, but I kind of want to talk about Patty the Batty um because yeah Daddy's like how daddy. i mean first off I, I love the nickname i don't even really know what it means but i, I kind of think that i just love anything that patty pimblet does like i, I want to be patty pimblet like i just want to like end my sentences with lad like how you doing there lad uh, I, I went out there and i went to the store lad uh you know i picked up some uh milk lad like i don't know what it is like this dude like he's got like this swagger about him i totally don't quite understand it because i can't you know you know know relate to him uh in in the way like he's a different generation of of you know uh human being than i am he's significantly younger than me but like man, the, the guy just oozes cool and, and intrigue and he's a pretty damn good fighter as well
2: oh my goodness yes he does uh bad, do you know what Batty is? Do you know what a baddie is
1: i think it's uh uh rhymes with patty patty the baddie no, and like,
2: it's a ba- like I don't bad like bad bitch like bad bitch okay so did you just call like, patty like,
1: pimblet a bad bitch
2: He calls himself that. He's calling himself a baddie. That's what a baddie is. See, like I
1: said, I don't get it, but I like it.
2: And the way you said lad is you totally added like Minnesota in there.
1: Oh, don't you know Yeah, yeah.
2: It has to be, you know, I'm going to the store lad. You know, you have to like put it together. It can't be I'm going to the store lad.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, we we could use another word and I probably wouldn't say correctly either. Like, (laughs) I'm going to the store, bruh. (laughs) Like, bruh, I'm going to the store. You know, like just again, I can't say it. He can. I'm thankful for his style and swagger. I like it. Like, sign me up.
2: I absolutely love it. I love his care char- char- his, his charisma. Charisma,
1: charisma. Thank you. Yeah. Thank
2: you. Yeah. I love his personality. I mean, he's he's here. He's he's not he's not at all. Um, allowing for things to happen. He is demanding. He is coming in and he is breaking barriers and he's demanding what he wants. And we need that. We, our sport needs that. We we all love that story of, of you know, the oh, that's fighter you. Hang or, on. or the athlete.
1: Don't worry about that. We'll get to that later. We'll get we'll get we'll get to that later. That's right. Um, I'm trying to find that one. Nope. That's what the hell, Pearl? You've given me so many things. I think you just paid, or I think Dean Tool actually paid for that that photo to be inserted here by accident. But uh, this is the one I'm trying to show. Uh, this is, this is uh, from the, the weekend. The, I mean, look at the commentators. Like, John Anik, when you get John Anik to hold on his microphone like this because he's freaking out, that means you're doing big things in the octagon.
2: Oh, my goodness. And it was such a great fight. It was, like, it was so exciting. Like, the night, it was electric in there. I wasn't there, but just to watch the fight. Yeah. And watch him deal with adversity and remain calm. And then when the opportunity presented himself, he just was relentless. It was so fun to watch. And then his little dance, his little dance, you know, it was, he's, he's just one of those, those characters. And like he said, he's, he's the next cash cow. He's the next one. He's the next boy. Your boy is here, right. whatever, all the other things he said, um, you know, like that's demanding, that's breaking barriers, that that's demanding their respect and, and taking the spotlight, not asking for the spotlight, right. taking it. And our, and our sport always needs that. It's such a fun, fun character.
1: Right, and, and you have to do that. You can't ask for the spotlight. You can earn the spotlight. You can be more reserved in how you take it, but you still have to take it at the end of the day and that's one thing that is you know I, I think some people probably are, are rubbed the wrong way by Paddy Pimblett because think about how far advanced he is right now after one fight inside the UFC when it comes to you know capturing the attention uh, of the masses there are fighters that will compete you know in upwards of a dozen times before they get that sort of notoriety and um, you know the way that he's come out and just like did, did you see his Instagram follower total like it jumped like a Hundred thousand by the time he walked out from the time he got his hand raised and then went back to his locker room. Like, think about that. A hundred thousand followers. I, I mean,
2: That's amazing. Who Wasn't does that?
1: Deserved. I mean, I, I don't want to put again the cart before the, the horse, batty. but right? But I like Patty the Batty is reminding me a lot of Conor McGregor from the way that Connor bursts out on the that. scene. And, and, you know, you really leverage that social media presence uh, to, uh, you know, get to where he's at today. And obviously, Patty Pimlet has a lot of work to do before he's uh, at the level of Connor McGregor. But I will say, so far, so good. He's doing everything right.
2: Yeah, and I mean, he looked incredible in his performance. He he dealt with, uh, you know, that first, first half of that... Beginning of that first round, he was dealing with a lot of adversity. What was I don't know the opponent's name. I'm I'm sorry, I can't say it, it as like sencio or something like that. Was it Ascencio? You, you, I, I,
1: you know, I I I love how you are uh, afraid to say it, so you just throw me under the bus. Like, I can, I can't say it, but you say it.
2: Uh, so he, I mean.
1: Let's see. Are you are you are US. you to let me say it? I, I mean, I'm prepared, Pearl. I, yeah, yeah. All okay. right. Um. Now I'm. Yeah. Uh. Luigi Vendramini. Oh I my think
2: god! I was so off. I was so off.
1: I, I mean, I think I I might be wrong well, too, again, but he
2: looks awesome there.
1: Yeah. No. You and, know he it,
2: uh. Well, in the beginning of that fight, I mean, he dealt with he he did get rocked. He dealt with uh an opponent that was very confident coming yeah. forward, who's making who's making fun of us.
1: No, no, no! No one's making fun of us. You just said like he he had some uh, adversity. I was just laughing at like he he runs over to the commentary booth uh, right after the fight is ending. He's like, he can't even punch. It's like okay, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it didn't hurt you, but let, like let's not say he can't punch because you know yeah. you never you know, know what I happens.
2: Mean, and he, I thought that he was winning the first part. He was losing. Uh, Patty was losing that first part of that round, but. He remained calm. That was what was most impressive. Was being it was his his debut, being that he had a very tough opponent in front of him who was who was coming to win. This was not at all a fight that was mismatched or it, it, or any of that. He was coming to win and and had some success early on. And, and uh, Patty was was able to remain calm. And and once he landed the strike, because he did, he was landing the strikes in the beginning. He landed like a head kick and. I think it was. Uh, he kept getting caught with the left hook, but uh, he was landing some good strikes in the beginning. Um, predominantly, I thought I, I kicks, and then once that that strike landed, which I believe was a hook of his own, and 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 um, hurt his opponent, he was he did not stop. Yeah. He seized the moment. I mean, he just came forward until the ref took him off, and that was what was most impressive was how he dealt with that in his debut.
1: Can I say, too, one thing about Patty that I think is sort of overlooked here, because a lot of people are saying, like, look, he's in his UFC debut and people are excited and maybe, you know, handing him a lot of uh, the spotlight here early. This was a man who said, look, the UFC has called me. They want me to fight for them. I don't think I'm ready yet. And he decided to stay in Cage Warriors and get a little bit more seasoned prior to, you know, accepting this fight. And. That is something that is so incredibly important because we reward constantly athletes that decide to take the short notice opportunity or, or take the call as soon as it comes. But there is something very special about a, a young fighter like Patty Pimblett who early in his career said, "I, I don't I don't want to get there when I'm not ready. So let me go back, get some work in, and then when the call comes, I'm going to make the best of that moment and opportunity. And that's exactly what he did on Saturday.
2: Exactly. Absolutely. Very mature decision for him to make um, to do that, to to take the time that he needed to to develop his skills and to work on some of his areas uh, that needed work so that when he came here, he was, like you said, able to seize this moment. And that's exactly what he did last weekend was seize the moment.
1: Uh, on Saturday we saw an unfortunate kick from i mean again not unfortunate because it did what it was designed to do but Khalil Rountree got a, a win by uh, attacking his opponent's uh, knee with a little jumping uh, side kick it's similar to that oblique kick we've seen kicks you know whether it be the low calf kick or, or whether it be you know the, this uh, kick from from Khalil Rountree really changed the way that mixed martial arts are fought over the last couple of years i remember when we were in Vegas and we saw uh, Max Griffin fight Uh, Carlos Condit, there was a low calf kick thrown in that fight, and and the fans were literally starting to boo, which is it's insane to me that anyone would boo uh, an effective kick, but the, the kick that uh, we saw Khalil Roundtree land, uh, obviously it hurt the, the knee of his opponent. Um, and I'm curious your thoughts on it because whether it be the, the oblique kick or, or a kick that does target the knee and try to hyper it, a lot of people think it's sort of a cheap move more often than not. We don't see it have the impact, uh, and effectiveness the way that it did on Saturday, but I want to hear your thoughts, uh, on those knees that essentially do try to uh, potentially damage uh, the, the the knee and, and, and the joint.
2: Well, you know, I mean, that's what's the difference from that to someone throwing a knee at your face or an elbow and trying to cut your face open. Right. Um, I mean, really, what's the difference think,
1: between that and a knee bar?
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that the even this kick so. And the thing that, that kind of like is like, uh, oh, man, he, Khalil looks so good in this fight. Right. He came out. He was aggressive. I mean, every shot he landed looked like, uh what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? I his name. Khalil
1: Roundtree? No, Modest- no Modestus, Modestus uh, Bukas? I can't say the last name. Modestus. Okay, How about okay. that one? Modestus. Let's go with Modestus.
2: Modestus. 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 Modestus, okay, or I really yeah, work on that. Yeah, it's all right. That guy, okay, that guy. So he, every shot that he landed on Modestus was was hurting him. It was wobbling him. I mean, his his nose was all busted up. Khalil looks so good in this fight. He he normally came out the last couple fights we've seen him. He he came out very traditional Muay Thai stance, um, and we did see some of that Thai stance come out. But in the beginning of this first round, he came out and I mean his hands were on fire. That that left hand, that, that cross was just landing. It was money. He was he was throwing a hard hook at, at the same time, walking his opponent down, putting tons of pressure on him, not letting him off that first round. He looked scary, very powerful, very determined, vicious. He looked scary. But what was more impressive to me was at the end. Modestus started to re was hurt, got hit by big shots, survived them, but knew he had to kind of stay. He was a little bit longer fighter and was staying out of range, right. staying real, real heavy on that setback back leg, and so Khalil he adjusted and he started attacking the leg and going downstairs, and that to me was what was impressive. Now this oblique kick that everybody's talking about, it was not a full on hyperextension extension. Coming front, like we've seen in our sport, you know, I think Holly Holm landed it on Ronda Rousey several times where like she directly pushed the knee back. Uh, That's like one of Holly's favorite kicks. Uh, Michelle Watterson's landed these big kicks. Uh, the, The kick that Khalil landed was at the side. So the knee did, it did, it did force the knee to go in a way that it doesn't necessarily go or put a lot of pressure. I believe he tore his, I mean, I don't know what we, what he tore already, but it looked like he tore his LCL for sure. Like the LCL was gone. Um, Excuse me, the MCL, the MCL, not the LCL, LCL was on the outside, inside. But the way that kick was thrown, it was at an angle. The knee was still able to bend. So it wasn't that straight on hyperextension, like a knee bar, like a knee bar would be. It it was more of an impact of like a heel hook would, would do and how it would kind of twist the knee. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I didn't think it would, that strike should be, I don't think that strike should be illegal. I do think that it's fair game. I think that, like you said, you, you said you compared it perfectly to a knee
1: bar. Right. So on that note, one of our uh, chatters, Ryan Von Doom in uh, Twitch, said uh, the difference between that strike and a knee bar is in a knee bar you can tap. And I, I understand that. But if, if being able to say, look, I quit to get out of something is the criteria of what is and isn't legal. Well, then we just can't allow striking because you can't tap from a knockout either. You know what I mean? Like I understand one is different than the other in the sense that like you get knocked out, generally you're going to get up and after a few moments the doctor's going to clear you and you're going to be okay. But at the end of the day, this is a combat sport and it's one of the most, you know, hard on an athlete's body that there is to to fight. In and, and you don't play fighting. You know, that's that's the the saying, right? Like you you fight. You don't go out there and you play, you fight. And I understand the idea that if you throw a strike at someone and they walk away with an injury, it seems a little more nefarious than everything else that you're doing. I understand that, but but it is in the sense that, like, I'm trying to hurt you. That's the thing that I think people forget. You're always trying to hurt your opponent. Maybe you're not trying to necessarily injure them, but that doesn't make one technique more okay than the other because you're less likely to tear someone's ligament with it. Like, I don't know. Like, I I understand both ways. On the outside looking in, if your sole purpose is to hurt someone and injure them with that strike, yeah, it's not as awesome or not as, you know, sportsmanlike as some other strikes. But at the end of the day, you're going to do anything you can to get your hand raised. And that's what combat sports are about more often than not.
2: Absolutely. And it, it was a strike that I don't think was, it wasn't like the direct hyperextension right. of a e bar. Like right. this was at the side, that same effect could have happened by a roundhouse kick. We don't know how damaged that leg was before that right. strike happened. That could have been the finishing, the finishing move for, for that particular injury. But I mean, did you see his leg before that strike? His leg was bleeding. Yeah. His leg was beat up already from the roundhouse kicks, like Khalil is a, such a powerful man. And he came in and he was vicious and he was on a mission. Yeah. And so with that being said, like several of those kicks buckled his leg, several of those kicks hurt that same knee. And um, I, I I don't see what was wrong with it. It wasn't like, you know, and he said it perfectly it. in the commentary, perfectly in the commentary. Like it, that strike really is not allowed in, in, in his stri- in his practice. It right. wasn't allowed in most of my gyms practice. No,
1: either. I, mean, you know, I, I mean, a lot of gyms don't even allow you to do heel hooks. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that you don't, Crazy. you know, but like, I mean, but it's true because especially people that aren't super masterful at leg locks, right. those are the people that are going to destroy each other's legs because they, you know, go crazy bananas with it. But like at the end of the day, it, just because it's something that you are more likely to injure someone with it. To me, Pearl, it doesn't mean that it's dirty.
2: No, it was not a dirty – it was not – to me, it wasn't dirty, and and it almost is like it kind of – it's kind of like, oh, man, because Khalil from start to finish, he came out, and he looked sharp. He looked strong. He looked vicious. He was precise. He was on point, and – that strike or, or that the the controversy of that is taken away from that amazing performance right. that Khalil just and that's had. not
1: fair. That's not fair to Khalil. No. So no. All right. Um, she's Pearl Gonzalez. I'm TJ Desantis. Uh, extra rounds from UC Fight Pass. Russell Peters coming up here uh, in just a moment. But uh, we're gonna call this segment Roadwork oh with God. Pearl Gonzalez. Uh, that said, I'm gonna open this uh, up to all of our chatters and, on Twitch and Facebook. Like we need to come up with something better than road work with Pearl Gonzalez because so
2: you missed it though, because I started in Maryland and then I went to Brooklyn oh. and from Brooklyn, I went to Miami. See, I didn't from Miami.
1: Man. Are you like doing a whole lap? Like, are you going to go to Seattle after this? Like, what are you yeah. doing lady? That's crazy.
2: I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in camp. I'm here. I am. I am finally in Las Vegas. I will be in Las Vegas for the next, um, at least six weeks and, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, I don't know about that RV right now because right now I'm mad at that thing. Okay?
1: I understand. I'm
2: so mad at that damn thing.
1: Yeah. Um, so you basically moved your entire life into this home on wheels. Um, first off, I still can't. Without
2: having any, any education on an RV, not having one, right. not one little cent of knowledge on an RV. I just was like, you know what? Let's. I'm going to buy
1: an RV. Let me just say, I I've never actually ridden with you before. So I don't know what kind of driver you are with a regular car, <laughs> but I I'm guessing like an RV empowers you. I bet you are like trying to push people out of the way. You're like, uh, you know, Pearl, the baddie coming in, coming through, move out of my way, move out of my way, lad. Uh, I was
2: just about to say that. So I actually, uh, I, I my, I've always had big cars. Like I had a cat, um, a Cadillac, a, not a Deville. I had a Cadillac. Uh, what was that? Ford. A Broham. I had a Cadillac Broham.
1: Wait, I a had, Broham uh, is a real model of a car?
2: It, yeah. Broham. Broham.
1: Yeah. Cadillac, All right. Bro-ham. Cool. Bro-ham. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to um, lo- deny that. It just sounds weird. To the Broham. Um,
2: uh, and then I've had a uh, Buick Park Avenue. Um, I've had a Grand Marquis Mercury. I just saw that um, car, by the way. Um. So, oh, you saw it. I gave it to to Manolo. So, yes, yeah. you did see my car, uh, old car. And so, I've always had big, huge, big ass cars. I, I I don't know why I like big cars and I like older cars. Right. So, you're right. And then, like for a short time in like my early twenties, I drove. Um. My uncle had a transporting company, and I drove like a little box truck for him and a little, little van type thing for him to deliver parts uh, between Wisconsin and Illinois. So um, I've kind of I had some experience driving a bigger car or whatever you want to call this thing. This RV is thirty-two feet. Okay, this thing's huge. Yes, that's big. Which, that's
1: which like a I school I bus.
2: Did, I, yeah, no, it is. I, I'm pretty sure I, hit, I did hit. I did hit something parking out in my uncle in my cousin's um, little parking lot. Here. Like,
1: like you. I mean, you're very vague about it. Was it like alive? Was it something that you hear that was alive? Was it a car? Was it?
2: <laughs> it just made us creepy. Noise. I think it called that comes out like it's like an umbrella. What is that thing? An called? awning? It's on
1: the RV. It's a, the
2: awning. I think it was the awning. It's either that or the ladder. Yeah. You know,
1: I'm I'm excited to give you some some questions here because, like, I don't know if you know this, but every time we do extra rounds, you give me a vocabulary lesson. Not that, like, you actually ask me what something means. Instead, you ask me what the word is that you're trying to think of that you might not even actually be thinking of. But if I find that word or one that is you know, just as good, then I get a point. But you never award me points. You just go, yep, that's it. That's the one I was looking
2: uh, for. You're, you're so good, DJ. You always, you always like fill in the blanks for me.
1: What I try. I do
2: without you? I don't what know. Would I do
1: You'd have a much slower evolvement in life.
2: Yes, I would.
1: Okay, the ev- let me tell you. The evolvement I've shirt changed. coming soon. I've
2: evolved. I evolved. Oh, hey,
1: look at that. I evolved
2: tremendously. What would you call that? What would you
1: call that process, (sighs) Pearl? What would your, your evolvement would be instead of evolvement, it would be your Evo.
2: Lucian. Yes.
1: Yes, We're learning things. All right. So you've been all, so you started in Maryland.
2: That's where I purchased the RV. It was in Maryland. So then I drove it to Brooklyn, packed up my entire apartment into my RV so yeah, put all my stuff into my RV and then I drove it down to, with my mom, my, my mom came with me for this because I had no idea how to drive an RV and no nothing. So my mom has a, she does have an RV herself. She camps a lot in Wisconsin. So she came with me and, um, we drove it to, we started, where do we go? We started in the near Pensacola. So we went to Pensacola okay. basically, right? Florida, and I dropped off all my stuff at one of my like old teammates from like when I was a little kid he I dropped it off as his place he's got a bunch of empty room in his house so I left all my big pieces of furniture until I figure out where my life is going there then we drove it to Miami Miami I trained at um skyboxing for a couple days which is where I was originally supposed to stay put for a couple months to do my fight camp with uh, George Rubio Uh, Coach George Rubio. Well, I get there. Coach Rubio is in Las Vegas training Theofimo Lopez for his fight. And he's here for the next six weeks. So I'm like, oh, shit, what am I going to do? I moved all the way out here for this. Uh, Well, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go to take my RV to Vegas. And I have a cousin that lives here that I'm very close to. And he's like, bring the RV here. Let me fix it. I'll look at it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll bring this damn thing out there. So now I begin my road trip by myself in this RV that I have no idea. I don't even know how to like unhook the stuff. So I had to learn that really quickly how to like unhook the like, what's the caca thing? The caca hose, the hose, you know, and the electric.
1: The sewage drainage hose? And all that. You would the. Right. Yeah, yeah. that thing. That
2: thing. Okay, Okay, this is starting to be very careful with. Yeah. So, but I did good. I did good. Like I saw some. You're alive,
1: Pearl. It, this you know. is a win. This is a win. Huge win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I didn't. I, myself. I, I didn't ask if you've killed anybody else, but. I sort of alluded to that when you said you hit something. All right. So I didn't know that that. you've had that long of a tour, but I came up with some questions based on the states that you've traveled through, uh, considering Florida, uh, over to, to to Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, with that in mind, let's get to, uh, question number one here, uh, on road work with Pearl Gonzalez. Question one from east to west, name the states that touch the Gulf of Mexico.
2: From east to fuck.
1: Yeah, like that was the way that you traveled. I believe that you probably drove in all of these states in that order, so that's why I went east to west.
2: All right, well, fuck. Here we go. Florida. Right. Florida. It was straight into Mississippi. From Mississippi, I went. I'm going to take a guess, but don't stop me yet. All right. Alabama. If that's wrong, Louisiana from louisiana where the fuck texas
1: so that is that your answer yeah all right so uh incorrect i mean you 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 named all of them but unless that unless that rv is an airplane you had to go through alabama before you got to mississippi
2: oh it was just a little tiny piece you're right right. it's
1: very little yeah yeah um so by the way the first time i ever went to pensacola uh for island fights dean tool had me out uh-huh. there and uh i landed and i'd never been to the panhandle of florida and i landed okay. and i was like wait where the hell am I? I thought i was going to florida and like the uber driver was like yeah no this is this is alabama son like you didn't know what you were getting yourself and this isn't disneyland disney world this is this is alabama
2: I forget that because I trained. I trained in Mobile, Alabama. Um, not this time, but I have before when I was actually living in and near Pensacola for a few months a couple of years back. Uh, I trained in Alabama at the 10th Planet there.
1: Yeah, uh, Mobile, not to be confused with Mobile, which is your new home. <laughs> so, all right. Question two now for uh, right, for right, Pro Gonzalez. Right, oh, so go. for oh for one. I promise you, you'll get at least one right uh, before. I
2: fighting the next time. I yeah. see you. And that time is coming really soon, TJ. So I better win one of
1: these. I just started to realize that this maybe was a bad idea. I should have maybe given <laughs> you the answers before we went on the air. All right. Question two. What is the state nickname for Louisiana? And no, it's not Poirier's place. That's not what they call it.
2: What? The state nickname? Yeah. So
1: like, uh, you know, where I'm from in Minnesota, it's the North Star State. I currently live in California, which is the Golden State. I don't know what Illinois is, but every state has a nickname. Like, uh, Florida's the Sunshine State. Missouri's the Show Me State. I don't know. I can give you a hint. Okay,
2: give
1: me a hint. The the blank state is also the icon uh, for the uh, New Orleans basketball team. It's their mascot. The New Orleans man. I'm gonna get my JJ, ass kicked. We're fighting. Yeah, I think we're so. We're
2: fighting because I have no idea. All
1: right, what end it's, end it's end a big is. bird that like dives into the water and picks up fish in its mouth. Begins with a P. Pelic. Pelican. Yeah, you didn't get that one right either, but it's okay.
2: DC is going to be so mad at me because he was like stopping Lafayette. And I was like, well, what am I going to do there? Because I did have to stop in Baton Rouge and I got these incredible. What are those things? Big, big nates.
1: Beignets. Beignets. I was going
2: to call them big nates because that's what I I was calling them until I got there. That's all
1: right. That's that's how
2: you spell them. Big nates.
1: Right. I mean, I
2: got some grits.
1: You just, you're just proving you know how to read things incorrectly, but that's still yeah. meaning you know how to read, so that's good. Uh, all right. It was Qu- delicious. Question number three. Um, you went through Texas, and Texas does not have an athletic commission. Instead, they have the uh, TDLR. What does TDLR stand for?
2: I have no idea. Really? What, what, I don't even know.
1: You know, I thought you would get the first two right, so I threw a curveball your way because it was like, there's, I mean, she'll have one right by the time we get to three. Apparently not.
2: You better have a question for
1: the it Texas be four. Department of Licensing and Regu- Regulation. See, right there. Yeah, I mean, it was right on the tip of your tongue. Not bad. Yes.
2: Jeez, that's a hard one.
1: Okay. The Texas one. Department of Licensing and Regulation. All right. Question number four road work with Pearl Gonzalez. Um, hang on. You know what? I got to do this thing because apparently uh, that didn't work. So let me do this and this and this and this. Uh, was that really question three? Who answered
2: these questions?
1: Uh, me.
2: That, I mean, but who else would have answered these aside from me?
1: Uh, I don't know. Someone else. Apparently, I, apparently, we only have one more question left. Damn it.
2: Okay. Yeah, no. You, I better get this one right because we're really fighting, and I'm seeing you in like two weeks.
1: Don't worry, you're definitely gonna get this one right. Uh, here we go. Uh, y- you ended up in New Mexico, right?
2: Yeah. Right,
1: and you trained at Jackson Wink.
2: Yes, I did.
1: Right, so oh. that what city is that in? This isn't the question, but we'll count President
2: this one. Albuquerque.
1: All right, so Pearl, how do you spell Albuquerque?
2: Oh, okay. So A L B U. Q-U-E-R-Q-U-E.
1: You got that one right. And uh, I also made sure that it was on the screen. So I knew you were going to get that one right. So good job.
2: I love it. Yes. Yeah, at least I got one here because those are tough. Holy shit.
1: No kidding. Uh, On the way out, why don't you tell me about your time at uh, Jackson Wink? What was that like?
2: Oh, my gosh. Talk about an incredible experience. I've been watching Jackson Wink since I was... A little girl and watching, you know, them highlight this gym. This is one of the first gyms of its kind. I got the grand tour of it first and foremost. It's one of the only gyms that I've been to that has a full size octagon in it. So they have a full size octagon, and right next to it, they have the smaller octagon that the the, the 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 more local promotions and sometimes I think in the apex they use this the smaller octagon. So they have both of those, depending on which octagon you're fighting in, is the one that you train in. They have, they can house 60 to 70 fighters. That is insane. So they have uh, dorms oh,
1: that you can
2: share with people.
1: I was going to say dorms. Or are you saying like all these athletes have to live in one octagon? Because that sounds crazy.
2: No, 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 no. That's where they train. Right. But they have dorms. They have studios. They also have one bedroom apartments. They're getting ready wow. to do a third floor. Yeah, That's what I said. They're going to do a third floor that's going to have like a, a more lugs lux suites in them
1: luxurious so, yeah luxurious suite. so yeah, this is this is really neat impressive. because like we always talk about fight camp but very right. rare is it that these camps actually have a place for you to like go all right peace out world i'm going to go live here now
2: yes it was really cool to watch i mean you know they had one class running that one class had like 30 to 40 students in it and then and then i i come out a little bit later oh and then they have they have a chiropractor upstairs, Doctor Bo. They have, um, they had like three or four other types of recovery specialists in this building as well. They have a cafe that you can go to. Just anyone in general can go to this cafe there. Where's I mean, this, this, by the way? This was stated.
1: This this photo here. Where's that oh, taken? Oh,
2: that is in Arizona. Look at Loki, little
1: Loki. Oh, That's see, it. I. That I, was- I- I didn't even know you went to Arizona, which would make sense because that's how you get to Nevada, unless you really are uh, piloting an RV uh, airplane. So we can count Arizona.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we did. We forgot about Arizona. Yeah, that's in Arizona there. It's beautiful. What's this? Um, That's me. That's me in Houston working with Coach Bob Perez who is incredible. He is uh, Lauren Murphy's head coach. Right. I got to see Lauren. I got to watch her train. She's looking phenomenal for her, her title, uh, her title fight that she has coming up in the next couple of weeks. Great shape. I mean, her body, she just looks so good. And we just had this like moment where she, she just congratulated on congratulated me. I congratulated her. It was just like such a heartfelt moment, but coach Bob Perez, who is a phenomenal coach, is, is here. Just kind of instructing me. He worked with me every day. Houston was an incredible experience for me. I've never been to, to Texas where I actually like I've only flew through and, flew right. and out of it. And you don't so get you to see really you, we were
1: talking like, this week. You don't really get to see Texas when you only go to the airport. Like Texas right. truly is a, a state that is almost an entire country into itself.
2: Yes, it was. It was insane. I got to see Kevin Holland train. I mean, he looks super awesome. He's such a fun character. And then I actually got to go to the Fury Fights. Oh, um, nice. And yes, yeah, so I got to go to the Fury fights. I, I saw McMaynard there. The fights were insane. I mean, they had this one fight that was back and forth. The one kid got dropped. He gets up. The other kid get, ends up getting knocked out. There's Dean Tool. That's us actually in Miami there. I was going um, to say, well. I, didn't,
1: I didn't know if, if Dean was at like the Fury fights with you or, or, or not, like where this was. But man, no, you really no, are no, a man. world traveler. My God.
2: Oh my God! What's
1: this crazy. one? Hang on, let me uh, let me click uh, this button. What's this? this. Oh, that's me and
2: Belucky, so Alan Belcher. I look like explosive pull ups here. Right Those yeah. are way oh, better
1: with the time. video. Dang, Alan Belcher, like giving you uh, workout advice. Look at that.
2: Yeah, it was it was really cool. He was a super like uh, athletic and very explosive. So oh, I oh hey, some cool stuff. I saw uh, you were Good nice job? enough to
1: you were nice enough to take photos with a fan.
2: Uh, the goat. So let me tell you how cool this experience was. So I had, I had got to see the chiropractor after my training session. And then I went downstairs and I utilized their showers and stuff, took a shower and I come out. John Jones is in the octagon, the big octagon that I'm talking about at right. Jackson's week. He's training, right? And then they have like some nice somber music, but then he's got a dude in there playing the ukulele. And it was just like, what? so calm and so peaceful and he's working out hard and this guy's just sitting there playing his ukulele it was so badass it was so cool and such a cool experience so that was actually my first time getting to like meet john jones in person uh we we fought on, or no i saw him at one of the cards i fought on in the ufc and he just passed me by I never got to talk to him he is such a cool dude it was so dope hopefully we can get him on the show one of these days Um, But, yeah, I mean, it was like an insane experience. And now I'm here in Vegas, which, you know, is crazy because we've got fight week coming up and we have so many other exciting things happening. So I'm excited to see what's in store for me for the next couple of weeks here.
1: No, that's uh, absolutely awesome. I I find it uh, amazing that like John Jones actually ran you down to take a photo with you, because even if that's not true, we're going to say that's. We're gonna no, go we with that. Totally
2: did. I was yeah. like, "What's up?" I was like, "The go." And he's like, Pearl, come take a photo with me." He's he's like, "I need a break, anyways." So he stopped his training to take a photo with me. I did not want to interrupt his training at all. It was so nice, to him. He was. They were. They were so awesome there. Coach um, Wink was super nice to me. Uh, his coach uh, Brandon Gibson. Incredible yeah. training session with him. Like it was. Such a cool experience.
1: That's awesome. You know, hopefully uh, if John's in Vegas for fight week, he'll, you know, stop by the extra rounds table. Uh, where we're going to be broadcasting live, I don't I don't know exactly where yet. We haven't announced that info, but uh, there is a, a bit of a schedule out for uh, International Fight Week. You got uh, press conferences and all that stuff leading up to the fights on Saturday. Uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony, uh, fan experiences on uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, so hopefully, you know, maybe John Jones or whomever with a ukulele or not will stop by and say hi.
2: Yeah, John Jones, or, I mean, I think there'll be so many fighters in town at that point, so we definitely can hopefully round up several of them.
1: Can you play the ukulele? I can't.
2: I had one, I bought one, and uh, no, I
1: can't. I think a lot of people own ukuleles, and they shouldn't, (laughs) because, you know, I, I don't even know why, but we have one in my house, I just, it never made sense to why we have it, but, like, it's always fun to be like... Ting ting ting.
2: You know, play with yeah, right You yeah. know who's actually really good is Manolo. He's uh, he's amazing on the ukulele.
1: You know, a man with that big of a personality should never play a, a guitar oh. of that size, but that actually fits Manny's personality in a lot of different right? ways. Right. Like yeah. that.
2: You know that one guy that sings the Somewhere Over the Rainbow. He's right. like that guy.
1: Yeah. No, that's 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 definitely Manolo. By the way, I hired him to be my bodyguard to get me to Tijuana because I don't speak very good Spanish. I was like, mm, that's a, okay. we were there for like three seconds, and he's getting like uh, Essentially, the cab drivers were going to pay us to drive us somewhere. The first guy's like twenty dollars, and and Manolo's like this guy'll do it for six, and that guy's like I'm not going to do it for six, but I'll do it for eight. And he's like, see, I'm going with this guy's eight. Perfect, awesome.
2: <laughs> that is awesome.
1: Yes, so it it was a lot of fun, and uh, do
2: you have tacos?
1: Uh, I did not. I uh, we oh got the God, we got there super is- early, and uh, I wanted to do my job, but uh, I sent Manolo on his way, and uh, yeah, You like,
2: not get tacos in Mexico. That's crazy. well, especially
1: with Manolo. You know, like I'm yeah, surprised he didn't make it. But
2: good
1: yeah, he was like, "I'll just bring you back X, Y, and Z," and I'm like, "I don't want to eat X, Y, and Z because oh I don't know gosh. what." Yeah, so uh, that's that. Pearl, it's so nice to see you. Um, I would say it's we'd be so back. Nice.
2: I'm back right i'm back bitches so ray we're back lads we're
1: back lads get ready um back lads we're getting ready for international fight week no fights this weekend um so we'll be back wednesday and get you ready for uh the fight card coming up next saturday night uh that would be the 18th and then uh just a few days after that gonna be on the ground live in las vegas uh the new temporary home of pearl gonzalez
2: Super excited. I'm right. staying put, and I'm so excited about that. So I'll be here.
1: I'm happy we made it because your internet was was doing us dirty at the very beginning of the show. But we, we made it through. So. All right. Pearl, have a great rest of your night and uh, get settled in there in Las Vegas. We'll be chatting with you soon.
2: Thank you, TJ. Have a good night. Good
1: night, everyone. There she is. Pearl Gonzalez, the uh, newest resident of uh, Las Vegas. Uh, Speaking of fights and fight fans, going to be joined by uh, comedian Russell Peters, who's going to talk about uh, his upcoming uh, comedy tour, what he's got going on, and just basically how he's a huge, gigantic mixed martial arts fan, which how can you blame the man? It's the greatest sport on the planet. Russell Peters' is next is Extra Rounds right here on UFC Fight Pass. top it was going to be a great show look, Puck, we don't lie to you look at them. Look, oh! Big right Yo, he's oh. man has noticed that i am also bald i, think I gotta move my camera because you look like cyclops when you move back Dustin, look he's he's matured into a great fighter in the history of the world you are not surprised he was fearless
0: I want to be remembered as one of the greatest female fighters <laughs>
1: I guess I'm supposed to bill our next guest as a stand-up comic, but really, uh, I think he's as big of a mixed martial arts fan and combat sports fan as he is a mainstream figure in the world of comedy. It is Russell Peters. Russell, kind enough to give us a a few moments here on Extra Rounds. Am I underselling it? Because I actually produced Bruce Buffer's podcast. We've interviewed you a few times over there, and you're like a legit, honest-to-goodness, if you can be in the building, you're there, or in front of your television every single fight night.
3: Yeah, I, I'm, the fights, I can't miss fights. I mean, it's the only sporting, uh, it's only sports I like. You know, boxing and MMA, that's it. That's really where I draw the line. I cannot do any team sports at all.
1: It, it kind of goes back to something that Rogan talked about. You know, Mike Goldberg, when he was working with Joe, was this very you know stick and ball based uh, play-by-play commentator. I uh, actually did uh, like the Minnesota Wild and stuff like that, and he would make these sport analogies that would just be so completely lost on Rogan. And, and there was like this rundown where uh, Goldberg would say an athlete, and, and Joe was like, "No idea who you're talking about." And these are like mainstream figures at the time in, in the NFL. That there is something about that, though, Russell. Like I feel like. Kind combat sports fans they're sports fans but not not in the traditional sense of like they know who's playing in the monday night football game
3: yeah i don't. Uh, team sports bother me i don't know what it is i i always feel like uh team sports kind of gives you an out if you don't win uh oh, that guy right our team we, it's the pitcher's like, fault yeah i know and i can you swear on this
1: Oh, one hundred percent.
3: Yeah, because fuck that. I'm like, I don't. And I, you got helmets, and everyone's like, these guys are so tough. They got helmets. They got pads. They got ten other guys around them. I'm like, right? Yeah, you're taking a tough hit. Sure, you're getting hit pretty hard, but these guys are getting hit just as hard with no equipment. You know what I mean? Like, you got to take these are warriors. These are gladiators, and those are guys getting paid a fuckload of money to wear some, um, you know, a tutu.
1: You know, that's one thing that's always interesting about not just combat or not just uh, traditional stick and ball sports, but just like alpha dudes in general. Like when you've seen hardcore, insane action in fights and you know what fights are like when you see high level athletes, like try to push each other and and posture a little bit. It's beyond awkward
3: sorry did you see that I went away for a second you, you
1: did I got a little bit scared which you, know what completely, happened? you know, you'll what happened? appreciate
3: this as a combat combat sports guy uh that was Caesar Gracie calling me
1: <laughs> really
3: yeah
1: so I know you have a blue belt is it under Caesar? what's the tie-in with Caesar?
3: um well no I'm I'm with John Jack Machado
1: okay all right
3: I train with John Jack I'm a blue belt with four stripes like I'm literally if I would just get my ass in the gym I could become a purple belt in no time but I have had no time. Like ever since we went back to work, I've been fucking swamped and I'm dying. I'm literally dying without (laughs) jujitsu. I
1: I think that's awesome. I I saw that on the the bio that the the people gave me that you're a blue belt in jujitsu. And I think, you know, from my standpoint, when I'm always talking to elite, you know level UFC fighters no one's putting down that they're a blue belt in jiu right like they're kind of embarrassed by that when they're fighting for like you know a world championship but a blue yeah. belt is something to honestly be proud of I trained for five or six years pretty regularly and I never got my blue belt so you should be proud of that blue almost purple belt Russell
3: yeah I am very proud of it actually because I do I when I train I train my ass off and I I'm not afraid to get my ass beat which happens I would say nine times out of ten I get my ass whipped in that gym and that's That's really the only way to learn. You don't learn if you walk out of the gym and go, man, I showed everybody in there today. I go, no, you, your ego was stroked, kid.
1: Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And now I'm curious, like, obviously we've we've outlined that you're a combat sports fan, but what was the impetus to actually, you know, get you in the gym and rolling around with guys?
3: Well, I used to box. I boxed amateur from 85 to 94. And I say, I I think I oversell it in all fairness. Okay. I'll keep it real. I say I boxed from 85 to 94. I started boxing in 85 and the last time I went to a boxing gym was 94. All
1: right. I get that. I mean, you know what? We can paint with broad stripes. That's that's fine.
3: Yeah. And and I I do glorify it a little bit more than I should. Um, In all fairness, again, I started boxing out of necessity because I was getting bullied a lot. My dad boxed in India because it was compulsory. And so I started boxing in high school um, just for self-defense. And then it turns out I wasn't too bad at it, but I didn't I was still had this? I had a lot of fears in me about competition and and the way scoring went and the amateurs because head hunting was the only way to go and in, in amateur boxing right. body shots didn't count. I'm like, well, this is bullshit. I'm not going out there to get my fucking head taken off. And I had no problem getting in the ring, putting on the headgear, my mouth guard, and sparring with guys and helping guys get ready for fights. But I never had one amateur fight in my life.
1: So help me out here. Like you're obviously boxing before the UFC oh. success. What did you think? when you saw Hoist Gracie in, in Jiu Jitsu basically turn the entire martial arts world upside down on its head.
3: When I saw that, I was because the first time when I when it was ultimate fighting championships, wasn't it challenge ultimate fighting challenge? Or it challenge? so
1: it's funny that you mentioned that Rich Goins, the uh, ring announcer, did call it the ultimate fighting challenge. But technically it was the ultimate fighting championship from day one.
3: Right. So the first one, nobody I don't think anybody ever saw that one, really.
1: It was, everyone says they it. did you know that right like oh yeah. i was watching yeah. ufc one lot. no you weren't nobody was
3: no nobody saw one a two was where everybody got in yep yeah I, two was the one that had emmanuel Yarbrough and keith hackney and um it had Hoyce, it had um it had maurice uh smith it had all those guys in it, you know and i remember that one clearly it was like 92 93 around there
1: yeah, you yeah, that was about right. Yeah, so ninety three, November um, ninety three was one, so two was definitely in ninety four. But yeah, a crazy time. Yeah,
3: so that's you know I saw it from yeah from two on, and uh, I was like hooked. I was like, yo, this is incredible. And that's when you could poke eyes, and you could, uh, no, uh, yeah, you could you could poke eyes, couldn't you? There
1: then? technically wasn't an eye gouging rule. I mean, thankfully, no one tried to you know permanently blind anybody. But I mean, we all remember what happened yeah. with uh, with Joe's son. And uh, I think it was Keith Hackney just, like, going hard for the cup. I think there was a cup. I don't right know, in the cup, right? Right, exactly. Oh, man.
3: Remember that? Just pop, 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 right. pop, pop. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I, even then, I was like, there need to be a rule for that. I said, there should be no ball punching, and and I think no eye gouging should be it. And then they added no fish hooking.
1: Right. Remember? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then you I know, was like,
3: all right, that's fair. And then they started adding rule after rule after rule. And I was like. The no holds barred thing went out the window.
1: Right. And, and, and it kind of needed to because I mean, no, I'm here. We're, we're, we're battling through some Internet issues, unfortunately, um, but we'll get through it. Uh, you know, one thing that I remember in the evolution, uh, I think you can actually get this on UFC Fight Pass. They're the old IVCs, which stand for International Valley Tudo Challenge. And Gary Goodridge, who's Canadian by the way, just like yourself, out of uh, G-
3: out of uh, Brazil.
1: Yeah, you know, he actually stuck okay. his uh, hands in his opponent's trunks and did the good old uh, pinch and like twist. Um, obviously, Canada is a huge market for the UFC. Canadian fight fans are among the, the elite level uh, of fight fans. You know, we've seen George St. Pierre uh, really carve out a, a place for himself as not only one of you know, Canada's best fighters, but one of Canada's best uh, athletes. Do, do, do you feel like we've seen anyone start to rise the ranks and, and make a claim to, to George's throne as, as the next big Canadian mixed martial arts star?
3: As the Canadians go, I don't know. I I, to be honest, I don't really know who who is on the spectrum out there right now. But I'm sure, out of um, Tristar, there's going to come somebody.
1: At some point, you would think that Faraz is going to take over the world again.
3: Yeah, Faraz Faraz knows what the hell he's doing, and he's a really smart guy, and he's a fantastic trainer. I've um, every time I go to Montreal, I call him to, and I was like, I want to come train. He's like, Yeah, fuck, I'm out of town or or one time he'll come and it would be like, i will just come to the show. But he won't, I'm like, God damn it.
1: Yeah, I, I always like to see the the world's talent sort of develop. And, you know, we we now have these examples, like I said, of, you know, GSP, who is the greatest, you know, Canadian mixed martial artist of all time. Someone's going to try to get there. Like, that's one thing that we're obsessed with in, in this game is talking about the GOAT. And the GOAT conversation seems to change every other week. Um, oh, yeah.
3: I mean, the goats are. I mean, there'd be a Mount Rushmore, and I would have to. You'd have to put Hoist on there.
1: Maybe, maybe because, I mean, like, he, he legitimized he, the whole thing. I agree. I agree. And without Hoist Gracie, like, we're not talking today, you and I. But at the same time. It's not like hoist isn't very representative of the modern sport per se. So that's one thing I think that the UFC has done well with their Hall of Fame is sort of you know have their different wings. There's the modern era, there's the pioneer era. Because right. if you only have what are there four faces? I'm asking a Canadian right now how many faces well, are well, on the American monument. That's good. I
3: would say Mount Rushmore is the founding fathers, right? So.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I'm, I'm gonna outsource my uh, country's history to a Canadian because no uh, I didn't pay attention. Better. Uh, 100 percent yes you you learned it better um i'm curious though like do you think that like if you were to do a a mount rushmore would it be like one pioneer one coach one modern fighter like how would you do that
3: um i would do one pioneer i would do um uh one greatest of all time uh one legendary figure and uh and one um necessary person
1: okay so and if chael Sunnen were on the show right now he'd say that's four chael sunnens but
3: chael Sunnen would add himself to every mount rushmore right he would, he would actually call it mount Sunnen.
1: <laughs> pretty
3: much so i mean dana white on there i actually would put dana white on there because I, without dana white this whole fucking industry would have died right if he didn't convince the fertita brothers to to buy this this would have died it would have gone the way of uh bum fights or something you know
1: yeah i mean uh what was that uh basketball show that was on spike way back in the day like slam ball is that what it was called they had the trampolines and they would just
3: oh yeah i never watched that but well, yeah. that's what i'm saying
1: like the yeah. mixed martial arts would have been on that level of yeah. just obscurity
3: it would have been like remember when they used to have those no hold bars fights
1: those were fun because it was pretty much dead like i remember hearing about it when it first started and then those dark ages i didn't hear about it again until tito fought ken at ufc 40.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a it was a weird time. Yeah. So, so you got to put I would put um, I would put hoist. I would put Dana. Uh, I would put Anderson. OK, so Anderson over George. I, I may put both of them. All right. I'm just trying to determine. OK, I, I could put both of them though, in all fairness, because George did do something that I didn't see coming. Like Stevie Wonder jacking up. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I um. <laughs> Um when he came back and, and he beat Bisping, I was like, What?
1: Yeah. And yeah.
3: not beat him like by decision, beat him fucking convincingly.
1: Yeah. And and went through some adversity too.
3: Yeah, Bisping's not a bum. He's not he's no joke. He's not no. like he's a soft touch or something, you know.
1: Right. Yeah, no. Well, uh,
3: he beat up Koscheck, you know, he beat up uh,
1: <laughs> I mean the thing about George that was so monumental for me is is how he beat wrestlers at their own game. You know, You know he, he, he was able to take down and, and sort of dominate Matt Hughes, um, or take him off the throne, dominate Matt Hughes. He, he out-grappled Frank Trigg, who was a fantastic wrestler. Josh Koscheck, a, a national champion, he beat him twice. Uh, Sean Shirk was one of the best welterweights of all time, and, you know, GSP made short work of, of him. So, uh, yeah, like, I, I think you got to put GSP on that Mount Rushmore if you ever want to go Absolutely. back to Canada.
3: No, I, no, absolutely. I was just trying to go through all those accolades before I announced his name.
1: <laughs> right. And now, uh, also, too, Bruce Buffer's going to call you if he sees this and he's not on your Mount Rushmore.
3: Well, you know, Bruce, if I could add a fifth head, you'd have to have two more heads. You'd have to add Bruce and you'd have to add Joe. You'd have to add both of those guys.
1: Right. And, and let's be honest. Uh, you need two uh, head spaces just for one of Buffer's because he's such a big head.
3: He's got a big head. I mean, so does Joe. But Joe's arms are long enough to actually put it around everybody.
1: That's true, too. That's For true, too. For a little too.
3: guy, he's got them gorilla-length arms.
1: Now, uh, I'm curious. Uh, you know, the world's been on lockdown. I'm looking at uh, y- your website. You've got uh, some tour dates coming up. Uh, you, you go from this comedy club, uh, I think it's called Tommy T's, to the Eddie Etihad Arena. Like, that's a big change in in venue in just a short amount of time?
3: Well, it's like uh, training. It's like this is, you know, Tommy T's and all the comedy clubs at the gym.
1: Okay. And, I like know,
3: that. The, the arena is your title fight.
1: How, how different does it feel? Cause obviously a title fight's the biggest fight of your life, but when you do m- multiple gigs, do you still get those butterflies? Like when you walk out there in front of an arena full of people like that?
3: I'll get it at this, at the Etihad because it's the first time people are seeing this act, the new act that I'm doing. Um, it's the first time I'm trying it international. Usually before I take it places, I'll, tr- I'll start doing it in different countries uh, around the world just to, to uh, fix it, like just to fix the little pieces that oh they didn't get this okay I'll drop that. Right. I'll change this you know but I don't have that opportunity this time so I'm going in blind I gotta have some stuff that um, that 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 appeals to them and there's stuff that I realize now in my act I'm like it's not gonna work because it's too American I'm writing and you know, I've been working on my act for the past year in the in America and it's killing over here but I'm like oof that means it may not go over there
1: no no absolutely not well. We're out of time, Russell. We've, uh, you know, the listeners might not know we've battled through some tech issues. I appreciate you being so kind and generous with your time. And, uh, you know, I'd love we,
3: to do it again.
1: Yeah. No, 100%. I'd love to actually, if we, uh, you know, are at the same place because we're, we're doing the show, uh, you know, from, from some upcoming events that if you're at the same place, maybe you can stop by and, you know, uh, hang out for 20, 30 minutes and, uh, yeah, just break absolutely. down some fights. Time to step into our world over on UFCfightpass.com if you're uh, not signed up. This weekend would be uh, just as good as any time because no fights on Saturday night, but uh, what better time than the present to jump into the world's largest MMA library? Go back and watch some of that uh, IVC that Russell Peters and I talked about. Uh, Gary Goodrich fighting down there and and doing some... I mean, we're going to say that's nefarious. When you reach in the pants of your opponent... And, uh, you know, do a little pinch and squeeze. I mean, is that a submission attempt? Would that count on the fight metric numbers as a submission? I would think so, right? Uh, Yeah. Thankfully, no one's doing that anytime soon. But uh, you can go watch all of the eras of mixed martial arts, whether it be those IVC days or, uh, you know, all the way up to the modern product. You go back and uh, watch uh, Derek Brunson fight Israel Adesanya. Or go and watch, uh, you know, this this next big thing in the uh, UFC's middleweight division. The last man to, I mean, the only man to stop Izzy. Uh, Alex Pajeda coming in from the LFA. You can watch everything. Every fight that matters is available for you right now on UFCfightpass.com. And uh, if you don't know what to watch, easy. Just click on the 24-7 feed and... Uh, We'll take the guesswork out of it for you. I was watching some uh, Ultimate Fighter stuff. They had like a marathon recently. And, and you forget who was on what season. And sometimes you uh, forget that people were on the Ultimate Fighter at all because they end up just making it to the UFC later on down the road. And yeah, it's 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 fun. They're like these Easter eggs in the, uh, the 24-7 feed that uh, I always like to watch. And it kind of keeps you on your toes. So uh, if you have any suggestions... For me, on what to watch on UFC Fight Pass, let me know on Twitter uh, at TJ DeSantis. Also, you can get caught up with uh, our entire archive over there of extra rounds uh, on Fight Pass. So, if you have missed any of the episodes, you can go get caught up. Myself, Dean Thomas, Ray Longo, Pearl Gonzalez, pretty much here week in and week out. We are live uh, Wednesday or Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. That's 8 Eastern. Uh, We'll be back next week getting you ready for the card that is going down next Saturday. And uh, the countdown to UFC 266 is upon us. We are just uh, a couple weeks away from International Fight Week, one of the biggest fight cards of the year. I mean, Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler, too. A rematch from, what, 15 years ago? Something like that? More than that, I think. Man, I'm, I'm excited for that, to say the least. Uh, and again, if you missed it, Pearl and I will be on the ground. I think Ray Longo might even be hanging out. He's got uh, a fight with Murab Dwalashvili uh, coming up. He's going to be working Rob's corner out there. But uh, Ray has said that he will give us a few moments of his time to hang out. Uh, again, just you know, keep it locked to us on Twitter, uh, at TJ DeSantis, at Pearl Gonzalez, uh, at UFC Fight Pass. We'll get you more information on where and when we are going to be places uh, so you can come and, and hang out and uh, you know, maybe give Pearl Gonzalez some tips on how to live uh, the life in an RV. I'm not saying that all of our listeners know what it's like to live in an RV, but some of you have to, right? Um, I mean, we're always looking for tips and life hacks in general, so... Uh, Hopefully you will come out and say hello during international fight. Week. want to thank Russell Peters for coming on the air, talking about his love of mixed martial arts. Hopefully we'll catch up with Russell again when he's got a a bit better of an internet connection because that man is a real fight fan. We could have gone on for many more minutes, but uh, unfortunately ran out of time today. Uh, If you missed any part of this, go check it out. You can also do the podcast version, audio only uh, available wherever you download podcasts, whether it be iTunes, um, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. cetera. Uh, listen, subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend, and uh, that's it. All right, back next week. Thanks are going to a few extra rounds with us right here on UFC Fight Pass. We'll chat soon.
0: This concludes our live broadcast of extra rounds. Are we still on the air? Watch the archive anytime on UFC Fight Pass or Facebook.com slash UFC Fight Pass. You can also listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Extra Rounds from UFC Fight Pass is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only.